you know, it's kind of like the Hulk who's like, you yeah. wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And Walt's like, you wouldn't like me when I'm strapped to this freaking brainwashing machine. Right. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding antiheroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And my name is Casey Wall. I'm a 25-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and collecting plants. You can follow me on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV or at LF Candle Co. where I make pop culture inspired candles. Gorge. And just like last episode, uh, there is no guest. It is just Casey and I because this is a little special episode. Real special, real intimate, family only. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's been five minutes for us since last episode. It's been two weeks for you. So it's been a while since we've talked. Yeah. What, what's been up with you guys in the last two weeks? I, ho- I hope you're well. <laughs> hope there are no major crises in the world. <laughs> Who knows? But, mm, I probably just jinxed us by saying that. <clears throat> Anyway, today we have words to say about Lost, Missing Pieces, the canon webisodes. This is podcast two of three about the missing pieces, and it will include a spoiler section at the end. So if you haven't seen past season three, we're still good to listen. Um, If you haven't seen these webisodes, go ahead and go on YouTube, search Lost Missing Pieces, and you should be able to find them. So the first episode that we are going to talk about for this second episode of the webisodes is Operation Sleeper. Um, it was released December 3rd, 2007 on the app and December 10th, 2007 um, to the public. It was also written by Brian K. Vaughn and it takes place on day 86. I just have to say up front, this was my favorite webisode, hands down. This is one of the ones where I was like, this, I want to say one of the only ones where I was like, this should have been in the show. It- fully should have been this one it fully this one is the one thing where it's like this was missing fully and it should have been in the show this is a conversation that we heard happen but that we did not get but we never saw yeah but then we got it but it should have been in the episode it was so good so the scene takes place during uh between the real-time events of doc and the brig it says the operation part of the title refers to Juliet's mission to infiltrate the survivor's camp in warfare a sleeper is a spy saboteur or terrorist planted in an enemy country who lives there as a law-abiding citizen until activated by a prearranged city Oh. Um, So that's basically what they're calling. I was just like, Jack, he's sleeping. Was sleeping. Yeah. (laughs) So dumb. But that also means a lot because at the very end, I'm skipping ahead, obviously, but at the very end, she says it's time to wake up. Like she's living Ben's dream and it's time to wake up. Mm -hmm. First of all, she's a sleeper agent. It's time to wake up. She just woke up Jack. It's time to wake up. Thought it was good. Such a good line. Everything about this was gold. Mm -hmm. It was so good. So we see Jack sleeping in his tent. Juliet wakes him up quietly and he's like, oh, what's up? Like, is this a booty call? or what is this <laughs> like if it was Sawyer Sawyer would be like oh hey I've done this before it's like let's let's get to it so she says we need to talk Saeed and Sawyer and probably lots of other people don't trust me because they think I'm trying to hurt all of you and soon they're gonna figure out and he's like Juliet please I promise I won't let anything happen to you and she's like it's like thanks but let me finish you asshole let me finish iconic if I could choose a favorite line of the entire series that might be it it'd be that yeah she's like <laughs> let me finish thanks but can I finish please and Jack like literally looks like oh yeah um sorry (laughs) so she's like so here's the thing they're actually right i am working for ben and yeah like we just said i'm so happy we finally got this scene because it was such an important thing that we missed it really was i i'm kind of surprised like lost doesn't normally keep conversations like this from us like they're not really into the whole like what am i trying to say 
It's like it's like it happening in the background type of thing. Yeah, it's unusual for such an important thing to happen that we don't actually get to see play out. Yeah. So I, I'm just so shocked that they didn't include this. Uh, I mean, I'm thrilled that it's here, but I'm like, this fully should have been in an episode. What I think is really interesting is that like when you look at the show and Jack's like, well, Juliet came to me and told me that she was a secret spy. And I immediately was like, we have to do something about this. And then when you see it, he's just like, I can't believe you betrayed me, Juliet. Yeah. Like it just happened. It didn't happen the way that he said it did. You know, like he really acted like he was just like, but I always trusted Juliet and I wanted her to know that everything was okay. And then in this scene, he's just like, I can't believe you did this. Right. Which I mean, honestly, it feels like a little more organic like yeah what do you what do you mean like there's no way that you like jack is always like so explosive yeah so it's like so weird that he would be like oh juliet that is totally fine that you are doing that like you know Right. So this makes so much more sense. Yeah, it really does. Uh, everything about it, the writing and yeah, it's just so good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she says that Ben wants to know which of the women are pregnant uh, so that we can take them. Uh, he said that no one would get hurt though. And Jack's like, oh, you trust that? Like I've been promised things by him before. And I, you know, he doesn't really do the whole promise thing. So he's like, how could you lie to me? I thought you were one of us, which of course is a regularly spoken phrase mm-hmm. on the show. He's like, but I can't believe this because you, like I looked in your eyes and, I, and you wanted to leave this island just as much as I did. Yeah. Like you, you wanted to get on that sub and Juliet's like, okay, I mean, that's true, but neither of us got on the sub, did we? Right. Like that kind of changes everything. She said it was stupid and naive of me to think that we'd actually leave, that he would actually let us go. Oh, my heart. And Jack's like, Ben, like he's in a wheelchair. This is, this is Locke's fault. First of all, Jack, let me just argue real quick that people in wheelchairs can also do things. Whoa, what a concept. <laughs> you know? But I mean, so it makes total sense that Jack would be like, this is Locke's fault because it's like his enemy. And Juliet's like, oh, okay, if you think so. Because Juliet knows that Ben must have had a hand in it. Right. And so the, um, what was it? King of the Castle happened uh-huh. before this moment, right? Yes. So Jack is probably thinking, you know, he probably has this conversation in the back of his head. He's like, maybe it was the island. But Juliet has known Ben long enough to know that he will constantly blame things as being part of like the island's plan. But she knows, no, it's him. He manipulates everything and everyone. Yeah, that scene in Man from Tallahassee when they're like about to leave to get on the sub where he like comes to Ben and is like, I think it might, Juliet was there too. I'm not sure which one of them said it, but they were like, thank you so much for like keeping your word, you know? And Ben's like, no prob. Yes, of course. I always keep my word. But if the island has other plans for you. Then that's the island. That's not me. (laughs) There's nothing I can do. No, it's not the island. It is him being a master manipulator. Mm -hmm. And so Jack is like, okay, so you're here because you sent, he sent you and not because you wanted to be here with us. Which of course he's just like, I thought we were maybe starting a thing. And now it turns out that that's not true. (laughs) Oh, he got his little feelings hurt. He's like, anyway, why would you tell me that? now. And so Juliet says, last night Sun and I went to the staff and we saw her baby. In about a month, if she's still here on this island, they will both be dead. And of course, you know, looking back on DOC, remembering how much Juliet said, like, I want to give good news, you know, Mm -hmm. she finally is like, okay, it was conceived on the island, but that doesn't mean that she can't still live. Like, this is finally another opportunity. Like, right. every, I feel like every pregnant woman to her is another new opportunity to break the curse or break the, break the pattern. Yes. Break the cycle. Yes. Yeah. I think um, there's so much 
to that moment with Sun being the moment that kind of wakes Juliet up because I think it's also the first time that she knows of a plausible solution to actually Mm -hmm. save her. She's like, yeah, okay, all we have to do is get this woman off this island and she will live. Mm -hmm. If I can make that happen, I will. Yeah, she's like, I'm tired of watching people die. Yes. I'm not doing it anymore. And I think it must also remind her so much of Rachel in that moment. Like, Mm -hmm. here's this woman, like, bearing new life and, like, about to start this incredible journey. And Juliet wants to do anything she can to save her. Because, like, that's who she is. Yeah, it's nice. And so she's like, I've been doing whatever Ben wants for three years and I'm not doing it anymore. And you know what? Good for her. And I just wanted to give Juliet another shout out because she really does bring so much humanity to the others it's really great writing and it's really great acting she really does she really does i mean uh she's also just beautiful i mean god (laughs) she looks so good all the time i didn't know you had that opinion all the time oh okay looks yeah um newsflash i think um elizabeth mitchell is um she's she's kind of pretty just a little pretty i mean i would say she's pretty for sure i'd say she's pretty pretty yeah yeah but she Juliet as a character is just like endlessly fascinating and there's so many layers to her mm-hmm. and I just I love all the layers that are kind of peeled back in this moment yeah where she's like I cannot work for this man anymore there is an opportunity to save this woman and her child and that's who I am and that's who I need to get back to yeah speaking of another webisode uh, that features Juliet are you ready to move on let's do it Okay, next episode or next webisode is Room 23. The release date was December 10th on the app and December 17th, 2007 uh, to the public. It was also written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and the day was sometime between day 45 and day 49. My first note is, Juliet, you look so beautiful. (laughs) I like watching her and I know that she does it a lot but I just wanted to say that I like watching her stand up to him. You know, I like when she has an angry look in her eye towards him. I just think he deserves it. It makes me feel a lot of ways. Yeah. Just, I I could not be more physically attracted to this woman. (laughs) But in the moments where she is standing up to a terrorizing man who really has no backbone, I'm just like, Mm, nice that's good stuff yeah (laughs) yeah so uh this is actually the shortest missing piece it's only a little bit over a minute so it's quite short we see the closed door of room 23 we hear an alarm going off and this room of course being where we found carl in not in portland i believe it is ben says hey what's up what's happening what the heck and she's like oh he did it again we still don't totally know what it is that like turns the alarm off or anything or turns the alarm on or anything right ben feigns ignorance and it's just like what he did what huh and she like called totally calls him out on it and is just like stop pretending to be stupid yeah so he's like we'll go in and stop him or whatever and she says no nobody will i'm too scared she literally says no i'm scared i don't want to and okay we'll get clue to do it no no one will go in there friendly won't even bring in his food everyone's scared of him i have no idea what he's doing in there to make all of these full adults afraid of him i really don't i don't know i mean like aside from the bird thing that we'll get to yeah like he must be like (sighs) i don't know like maybe like me neither like moving things with his mind yeah the only thing that we've really seen him do is like he also sort of summoned a polar bear because you know he was looking at the <laughs> birds in the just, um just summoned a polar bear it's just the sentence yeah he, he summoned a polar bear he was looking at the books at the birds in the book and then that's how he summoned the bird in right. the special flashbacks and then he was reading hurley's comic um which had the polar bear in it which is why the polar bear showed up right 
I mean, maybe. When you look at the pictures that he sees in room 23, when we went to go see Carl, we could see it's mostly like florals. Like you don't really see people or anything, you know, like I'm not sure what that would, based on what we've seen him do in the past, what that would conjure up in him. You know what I mean? Right. Like the only thing I can think is that maybe he's kind of like willing more abstract things to happen. Like instead of a physical polar bear, maybe he's summoning like fear in people I, right interesting i don't know i don't really know i mean it's kind of the mystery of walt is we don't really understand what exactly he is or what he yeah. can do we just know that he's special and i think that's yeah. also why ben works so hard to like come off as oh he's just a kid how scary can he be but i think ben's yeah. actually terrified of him he's terrified he probably is of what he can't understand it's just interesting that they're also scared of him when we actually haven't seen him do anything that was really that scary. Right. So it's like, I don't even know what he's doing. Yeah. If anything, I just kind of wish we had gotten like a little more concrete answer. Yeah. Well, I think that that's a popular opinion. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people call the Walt thing and why Walt is special, etc. as one of the unanswered questions, you know? Yeah. Honestly, like, I think that's fair. And I think if there was a moment to kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? To kind of, for some reason, I want to say concretalize. Oh, Uh, concretalize, of course. Like make, if there was a moment to clear up some of the Uh questions, like this little webisode would have been it. Right. Uh, But unfortunately, they kind of didn't. Right. Yeah. Concretalize. So they're like, well, listen, his dad is looking for him. So let's just like give him back because we don't. (laughs) want him and you know ben says that he doesn't want to or anything but it also you know this is really interesting because michael sort of showed up and did the thing that they wanted him to do and felt like i did it i got my son back and this sort of gives us the the hindsight that actually michael was doing exactly what they wanted the entire time you know what i mean like michael being like i want my son back and then being like okay we don't want to give him to you but if you do these these if you do these chores through then we will allow you to take your son back. Right. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, if you bring back these these people four, then we will allow you to take your son when in reality they wanted him they wanted to get rid of him anyway and they manipulated Michael to oh right to take him right 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 know? I see what you're yeah. saying like less it was kind of like it was less about Walt himself the whole time and more about manipulating Michael through yeah Walt like they were like what can we get him to do yeah when we want him to, we want to get rid of the kid anyway right right that's pretty smart cuz i mean Michael was probably the most, or they probably saw Michael as the most manipulatable. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm really struggling with words. (laughs) Me too. So I'm just making them up. Yeah, so they're like, let's just give him back. And Ben's like, I don't want to do that. And they're like, okay, well, he's your responsibility because you're the one that wanted him. And Ben says, no, 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 I didn't want him. Jacob wanted him because he's important and he's special. I definitely have spoiler thoughts for this. But this almost seems like it wasn't just Ben lying about what Jacob wanted, you know? Which is kind of what we've gotten in, in... 
every other episode where he's just like, well, Jacob said to do this, so we have to do it because that's what Ben wanted to do, right? But clearly Ben doesn't want Walt there either. You know, this is like, I think the first time that Ben is just like, no, it's Jacob's fault. I didn't want to do it. It's Jacob. And he was actually doing something that Jacob wanted that didn't align with his own stuff, you know? Interesting. I think... So I just think that's interesting. I think when I was watching it and like thinking about the Ben and Walt stuff, I Mm. kind of thought like maybe... Ben wanted to see if he could get to the bottom of whatever Walt is so he uh-huh. could maybe use it for his own gain. Right. But well, I also yeah. think it would make sense that he actually doesn't want anything to do with Walt because there's so much about Walt that's unknown that makes him a threat to Ben's quote unquote specialness. Yeah, that's you know? a, that's actually a good point. Maybe maybe it is Ben blaming Jacob for something that was hit that was Ben's decision anyway because he could have been been like let's just take the kid because he seems special or something or maybe Jacob said he was special sure and then mm-hmm. they take the kid and Ben's just like this is how we're going to manipulate Michael into doing stuff for us because this scene takes place before Ben gets captured mm-hmm. before Ben gets captured and before they need to get Michael to take Ben back so I wonder if part of Ben's plan was we get Michael to help me get out right right and we have his kid so it's okay and then when we when they got the kid Ben was like okay okay, actually, um, this sucks, but what I can do is blame Jacob for my bad decision. Right. Which is usually like, I'm blaming Jacob so that people will do what I want, but this time it's like, no, no, it's Jacob. Right, right. You know, it's like when you're like, well, my friend wants to know if they can have your number. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, "Mm, really? Your friend, you say? And he's just like, oh, no, it was Jacob. Yeah. But so they're like, oh, no, he's dangerous. And Ben is like, no, he's just a kid. And Juliet's, oh, yeah? look at this. So they go outside and they see a pile of dead birds on the ground, which is obviously a throwback to special when, you know, he made a bunch of birds or like one bird fly into the window and Mm -hmm. die. And now it's a bunch of them, right? So when that happened in special, like I said earlier, it was because he had like a picture book with birds. And I know that the pictures in room 23 that we see with like during the brainwashing stuff are there are flowers for sure, but there could be birds. So I went and looked. There are flowers, insects, fish, and a bird's nest. But there are no birds. Interesting. So that makes me think that he must, that his his powers must be getting stronger. Right. Or something. Because now he doesn't even need a picture. Yeah, maybe like emotional distress kind of like ups his power. Yeah. No, I'm totally with you because like, I mean, I'm fully making this up at this point because they literally don't tell us. But <laughs> I feel like, you know. Anything's plausible. I wonder if distress sort of made him more powerful by accident or something. Right. And I wonder, you know, it's kind of like the Hulk who's like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And Walt's like, you wouldn't like me when I'm strapped to this freaking brainwashing machine. Right. Yeah. But like I said, made that up because there's nothing else. There's no way to know that. Yeah. And you know, it's just as likely as anything else. So they're like, we're really worried about it. And what's really interesting about this is that they never actually say Walt's name. That's true. Yeah. In this webisode, it's very clear who they're talking about, but they never actually say his name. On Lostpedia, it said, Walt told Michael that the others made him take tests after which B. Clue became agitated and threatened to put him in the room again. Walt instantly froze up at the mention of this. So it's really cool that, you know, they're they're making this make sense after the fact. Right. And obviously the room is 
definitely some form of punishment for him. Yes. Or like, I wonder if it's a like, if it's a brainwashing tactic, which it is, if Jacob was trying to harness his powers uh, for like Jacob's, like Jacob's own gain. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It also said, uh, after Michael led Kate Hurley, Jack and Sawyer to the others to complete his deal for Walt, Ben returned the boy as promised, commenting that he was more than we bargained for. <laughs> I would say so. Um, And so this webisode uh, shows that that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So before we move on, we'll talk about Patreon real quick. You guys know the spiel and this is a kind of a short little episode, so I won't go too far into it. But basically our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. Um, and we have some uh, really cool perks that you can get if you join. Um, the lowest one is $1 a month, which gets you early access to every single podcast. This one comes out a whole week in advance, um, which seems pretty worth it to me. So if you want to check that out, that'd be great. Um, if you can't help us out on Patreon, um, you can check out our small businesses, which is another way that you can support us and get something cool out of it. So uh, former co-host Brittany has Visit Binnyland, where she makes some prints and some pins, which are really lovely. I do hybrid embroidery. I have some lost embroidery stuff that you can check out. Um, I finally got my own website, so you can check out hybrid.com for that. And Casey uh, has Lost and Found Candle Co., where there is some fandom-inspired candles, including a lost candle. Hell yeah. Uh, so we'd really appreciate your guys' help if you wanted to check out uh, our Patreon or any of our small businesses. Other than that, just recommend us to a friend because um, that's free and it also really helps. So we'd really appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. The next episode is Arst and Crafts. Incredible title. Love the Arst stuff. The release date was December 17th for uh, the app and December 24th, Christmas Eve 2007 uh, to the public. What a present. What a present. And if you'll notice, this episode is quite a, a lot more... Uh, comedic than uh, many of the other episodes and many of them are in regards to Arst and so you can usually tell when uh, something is written by Damon Lindelof which this one was <laughs> and uh, this takes place on day seven so super early here so on Lostpedia it was pointed out that this is the first uh, webisode to feature more than two characters with speaking parts there are multiple characters speaking in this one it takes place during House of the Rising Sun and so we have Jin and Sun looking through some clothes um, Jin thinks that Boone and Shannon are lovers. This is so funny. Because Boone looks at her special. So funny. Sun says, no, they're siblings. And you know what? You're both right. This is so funny. Like, it's hilarious. And it also, I think, just speaks to how perceptive Jin is. Yeah. It's like, no. Yeah. He's like, well, okay, well, I all I can do is pay attention to body language because I can't understand regular language that everyone's doing. Literally. And he's looking at her like they're a thing. And she's like, no, no, they're siblings. God, that was so funny. And he's like, how would you know that? They they speak Korean and they told you? And she's like, oh, uh, just a vibe, I guess. Haha, <laughs> anyway. I love that, like, they didn't tell us for a moment. And I was like, oh, who are they talking about? Like, Rose and Bernard? Oh, yeah. Well, no, Bernard wasn't there. But, I, like... Bernard wasn't there. But, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You were just like, oh, who are they talking about? Boone and Shannon. Yeah, so funny. Because, you know... Boone and Shannon aren't in these webisodes, right? But they are still able to, like, they don't have Ian and Maggie, but but they're still able to, like, sort of be in the webisodes by the other characters looking at them and talking at them, uh, talking about them. We love a Boone mention. So Arzd runs up. So happy to see him. In fact, my the other Arzd episode, which we're actually going to talk about this episode of the podcast, so <laughs> stay tuned. I'm so happy exists. So I'm excited to check that one. But they're delightful. He says, what the heck? People are moving to the caves from the beach. Are you guys all doing that? Like he says <laughs> that to Sun and Jin. Are you guys doing that? And Hurley's like, uh, they don't speak English. And of course, Sun has a pointed look at Michael because he knows that Sun can speak English at this point. Arst asks if Michael is going to, this, to the caves. 
And Michael's like, I don't even know what we're talking about. I'm sorry. I really don't. On Lost PD, it was pointed out, uh, Saeed talks to Michael about the move to the caves while Jin is still handcuffed to a piece of large plane wreckage. So Michael should know what Arst is talking about or Jin should still be handcuffed to the wreckage. So there's a little bit of a uh, mm. uh, oopsie with um, the timeline of that episode. But little oopsie daisy. That's okay. So Arst says Jack and the bald guy and what's-her-face sa- uh, found some caves. Um, <laughs> I love this. It's, it's only been a week, right? He can't know everybody's name. It's true. It's so funny. So I like that detail, but I do also think it's really funny that he just knows Jack's name. <laughs> yeah. And like when he goes on to talk about like Jack, like running through the forest, I love uh-huh. how this episode is like, yes, Jack may be the main character, but also he is not the main character to these people. Yeah. It's like, this dude is leading us around, but he's talking to himself in the jungle. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And it's also fun because you're like, you wonder where are all these random people that we don't pay attention to? Where are they when all of this action is happening? And it turns out Arst was there. You know? Yeah. Seeing it happen. He was like, and that guy's weird. It's like, yeah. why are you, why y'all going, yeah. why you trust this guy? He's, he thinks he sees his dad in the forest. Yeah. So Jack, and then the bald guy's obviously Locke, and what's her face is <laughs> uh, Kate. Guy. However, Charlie was also there. So I feel a little bit bad for him because he yeah. always sort of feels like scooted off to the side. So that's that kind of sad for him. But he's like, anyway, they all think that we should move there to the caves. Hurley says, well, if they think it's a good idea, maybe we should. And he's like, First of all, moisture, which breeds bacteria. <laughs> and also, plastic arst, who's just like, well, A, number one. It's like, but redundant, pick one. It's all good, man. <laughs> a, number one. I love the way ours talks. The guy who plays him is so good. So funny. He's like, then we're going to have bugs laying eggs in our mouth while we sleep. Yum. And you know what? I'm pretty sure he's hyperbolizing, but also he knows about bugs. It's true. He's a science teacher, you know? So, like, he does know this stuff, but I also think that he is a little paranoid. Uh, Maybe just a little. So, Arzd tells Sun and Jin to vote no if there's a vote, except, you know, he thinks that they can't speak English, so he just yells at them. Yes, exactly. And Michael says, please don't yell at them. Because that helps. That's not going to help. Talking louder will make them understand. Hurley says, well, I trust Jack's judgment. And he goes, why are we trusting him? Because he's a doctor? Because he could be a nutcase. Here's a little secret. (laughs) (laughs) Like three days ago, and he's saying this to Michael and Hurley, obviously. Three days ago, I'm in the jungle, I'm peeing, and Jack is running around crying for his dad. (laughs) This was so funny. Listen, man, he's a doctor, yeah, but he's also weird. Like, guys, guys not adjusting well. But no one wants to hear from me. No one wants to hear from old Leslie. Listen, this is such a fair point. Yeah. So he's like, whatever, go to the caves then. Who cares? I'm staying here with the people who want to live. That's when they hear... The monster noise, and he goes, uh, never mind, I'll go to the caves. <laughs> so good. However, on Lostpedia, it said, even though ours says that he is moving to the caves, he's still seen with some kind of shelter on the beach as late as uh, day 24. Mm. So he still stays on the beach for quite a while. And that's that one. So funny. Yeah, love that one. The Boone and Shannon, I can't. The next one is called Buried Secrets. Um, It was released... December 24th on um, the app and December 30th, 2007 um, to the public. It was written by Christina M. Kim and it happened on day 32. So on Lostpedia, it said based on the clothing of the characters, um, this episode appears to take place on day 32 after the crash, uh, after the crash, obviously, um, which is the day of the events of In Translation. Mm-hmm. I like that they were able to figure out just based on the clothing, like the people who pay attention to constant continuity were even like, okay, which day do we want it to be okay right. let's put them in the same costumes like right. ugh, 
Good stuff. So good. It also says, as the title suggests, the burying of her driver's license stands for Sun's attempt to bury her past, her secret plan to leave Jin, and the start of her new life in America. Uh, this one is actually the longest missing piece, Room 23 being the shortest one. So we see Jin fishing and Sun watching from the jungle. She goes into the trees and she looks at the fake California driver's license that she had made because she was going to be running away to America. And her name was going to be Dahlia Choi, which is such a good name. I love that. Such a good name. So she's going to try and dig it or dig a hole to bury it. And it sort of uh, reminds me of her digging the hole later in the timeline with the the ring bottle well that's when she lost her ring but like the bottle of um with all their notes and stuff in it yeah so she's she's always trying to bury her problems (laughs) which i guess i respect (laughs) good for her but she's not digging a very deep hole no like it's not very deep one little rain and that that thing's making an appearance yeah i mean i guess maybe she would have kept digging more if michael hadn't interrupted her but (sighs) michael Um. always interrupting her so she starts to bury it and michael finds her. And on Lostpedia, it was pointed out, in expose, Locke says to Paolo, things on this island don't stay buried for long. Ooh. And this is just another example of that. So Michael says that he's looking for Vincent. And, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry I scared you. Are you okay? She says, yes, but I'm just trying to have some time to myself. And he's like, okay, um, are you sure? And I'd be like, yes, she's trying to have some time to herself. Go. Yes. Oh, God. I. Oh, it just reminded me how uncomfy the whole son and Michael stuff was. Yeah. Like, why is he always invading her private moments? Go away. And, like, if it had actually, like, happened, I guess I would have gotten it. Like, it would have been, like, a bit of a meet cute. It's just interesting to me that... That, you know, there were sort of those, like, weird vibes in season one, and then this webisode made them canon. Yeah. Like, even more canon than they were. I'm like, yeah, we- I don't know how I feel about it. Um, I'm interested to hear from somebody who, like, shipped Michael and Son. I'm not sure where, like, Kim, who's our resident- Michael Stan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure where she feels on the subject, but yeah, I'm interested to hear from somebody who ships it because I always sort of thought it was kind of weird. Yeah, it always made me uncomfy. You know, and I just ship Sun and Jin so much that I'm like, no, yeah. Yeah, it made me uncomfy. Like, I can appreciate them as friends, like, especially mm-hmm. during the first few weeks on the island where Sun, like, is holding like so many secrets and can't really confide in her husband Mm -hmm. but i just it's michael always walking in on literally her most like private intimate moments i'm just like it makes me feel weird and yucky yeah so he sees the license and she's like tries to explain but is crying and he's like it's okay you don't need to explain but she does and she says i was going to leave him and live in america which i'm pretty sure nobody knows Yeah, at this point. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think she even told Kate. I'm pretty sure that the secret she told Kate was that she can speak English. Right. Actually, she might have told her why she learned to speak English. I'm not sure, but Michael is definitely the first person who knows. For sure. Then, Um, which I mean, he was the first person who knew that she spoke English as well. So she said, so I was going to leave him. I was going to live in America, but I changed my mind at the airport because I was scared. So he says, oh, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to leave any day. We're going to be off this island. And she says, no, this place is my punishment. So then she talks about how he's not the man that she fell in love with. And Michael sort of like gives her a hug and everything. I just think that this would be a lot cuter if like they weren't so awkward. Yeah. Agreed. Like if they were just genuine friends. I think it just feels awkward. Yeah. If this was Kate. Yeah. Like all this stuff should have been Kate. I just think that Michael 
I just really feel like the relationship between Sun and Michael is very... Boys and girls can't be friends. Everyone has to have a crush right. on somebody. Or if somebody has feelings for somebody in every single boy-girl relationship, you know? That's it. I that is. I think that's definitely why it doesn't work for me. Is that, like, there was no effort for it to be platonic. Yeah. And to Michael's credit, she is married right mm -hmm. so he and, and also Jin is very protective of her so like if Jin saw him hugging her he would get punched more right like they already like just fought I think or maybe they're like about to fight or something right they're always fighting yeah and then they become friends and it's beautiful but, uh, but until then you know Michael doesn't want to get too close to Sun because he's scared of Jin yeah which is fair yeah for sure but it is still really awkward like the way he sort of like holds her arms and then sort of like gives her a hug yeah not my ship not my ship but yeah the physicality of it it just uh... respect to anybody who does ship it yeah I would like to hear people's because like as people I get it like and I I see what they I see the ways they complement each other mm -hmm. but I just the way it's done and the the undertones of it all just doesn't sit well with me I honestly think that it had the potential to be a really interesting ship, but obviously they decided that more interestingly would be Sun and Jin making up. And I have to agree. I'm inclined to agree. Yeah. That it was more interesting to put Sun and Jin back together than, um, you know, give them somebody else. Yeah. And I think, I think there is something to be said for if it had gone the other way. And if we had seen, like, if we had seen what happens when a woman actually does choose to leave what uh -huh. was at that point a very emotionally abusive relationship mm -hmm. but i think i think the writers did quite a good job in in mending the relationship and kind of uh, very much putting the work on Jin, you know, mm -hmm. to uh to be better. Yeah, so I think there would have been merit to both, but ultimately for how Jin and Sun end up, I of course yeah. am very team that. And like it really says something, I think it's a message of hope, honestly, that and and listen, Sometimes if your husband is like a, a toxic, abusive person, leave him, you know? But I also think it's a beautiful message of hope that they were able to come back together after that, you know? Like something bad happens doesn't always end in a divorce. Sometimes you're able to reconcile. And I think that's beautiful. Right. And I think it, I think you can also look at it. Um, I found it so interesting when Sun was like, this place is my punishment. It's my mm -hmm. destiny. Mm -hmm. I think like it's very much both. It is very mm -hmm. much kind of a punishment that she is going through with Jin for how they kind of both treated each other. Because, you know, Sun didn't always have her greatest moments. She did physically slap her husband. Mm -hmm. And she cheated on him. Yeah. So, like, they both have penance to pay. But mm -hmm. also, this whole journey is kind of their destiny in the way that it kind of leads them back together and reconciles yeah. their relationship. And it's just kind of giving me... I think it's kind of sending the message that no matter what Sun had chosen, she was going to be okay. Yeah. Like, if she had chosen to leave to leave Jin at the airport, she wouldn't have gotten on this plane. She probably would have had a very happy life. But she chose what she signed up for when she married him, which was loyalty and the commitment to work through things together. And then ultimately things ended up okay with them. Like, I don't know. I think it is very much 
a message of hope. Well, I also think that also Sun Sun has three love interest options throughout the show, but Jin never has any other option other than Sun. Yeah, that's true. You know, so I think that even if they had pawned Sun off on Michael, I just wonder then what, where does Jin have to go from there? You know, so I just think it was a really smart idea for them to put them back together. Right, because Jin's kind of like sole mission like through the show is proving to be a better man and a better husband. Yeah. And without Sun to kind of push him towards that, like what is he really improve? Well, I mean, I don't know. I was saying something and then I kind of started disagreeing with myself. Cuz like <laughs> I would like to think that like if Sun wasn't part of his story, he there there is obviously still merit to his story like him on his own, but mm-hmm. the the point of his story was to be motivated by earn back her trust. Yeah, be motivated yeah. by Sun's near betrayal of him. Yeah. I don't know. So, I I think we've already discussed most of this already, but basically what happens at the end of the of the episode is that they sort of like they almost kiss. So, they made like the weird vibes from season 1 canon. And it's like all I can remember is like when he accidentally saw her boobs, you know, and it's just like yeah. is this the way to start your ship? Ugh. I don't know. Makes me feel yucky. But then Vincent interrupts and he's like, uh, gotta go, bye. And they're like, uh, okay, bye. And I'm like, how do we move past this? I'd never be able to look that man in the eye again. Like, that is so weird. Yeah. Mm, not crazy. crazy. The last uh, episode that we're going to discuss this pod episode is Tropical Depression, which is the other Arst episode, and I'm very excited. Okay, so Tropical Depression was released December 31st on the app, so New Year's, New Year's Eve, and uh, January 7th, 2008, uh, to the public. It was um, written by Carlton, and it occurred on day 43. So on Lastpedia, it said, the title implies that the Mobisode is dealing with weather conditions, but it's actually about Arst's mood. <laughs> Oh my god, it really is. So this episode takes place, or this Mobisode, takes place during Born to Run in season one. So we see Arst trying to catch another bug for his collection, which we saw in Expose. And it's actually meant to be the Medusa spider that he caught. Oh, that's what I thought. That is the Expose one. And so he catches it. And then Michael shows up and he goes, hey, what's the wind situation for tomorrow since you're our resident weatherman? And he's like genuinely asking him because it's like a really important question. They're like trying to get the, the raft going. And Arst goes, um, I don't know. I'm actually not a meteorologist. I'm just a high school science teacher. And I fully made up all that monsoon stuff. I am so upset. I just wanted you to build the raft faster. So I cannot believe one of the most iconic monologues in this show mm-hmm. was a lie. But here's the thing is that it actually works uh, really well, which is because um, there's there's a continuity error in Born to Run that there's like an Im- imminent monsoon season and then we never see the monsoon. Oh, that's right. So that con- continuity error is actually fixed by this because ours is like, oh, um, actually, I was I made it up. Okay, that's fair. That's true. Yeah, but it is absolutely an iconic monologue. Yes. When, when do we have to leave? Yesterday. I mean, so good. So good. And it was just not true at all. So Michael's like... But he said it with so much conviction. He's like, oh, okay, well, never mind, I guess. Bye. And Arst is like, hey, it's time for an info dump, even though you didn't ask. Incredible. I'm going to tell you all this information. The best part about this is how hard Mm -hmm. Michael keeps trying to just walk away. Literally, yes. My next note was Harold Perrineau, very good at comedic timing. So good. Yeah. As much as, as many problems as I do have with Michael over the seasons, I can never say that Harold Perrineau ever did a bad job. Not once, not ever. Oh, never. Never. Yeah. So Arst says that he fell in love with a woman from Australia uh, and he met her on the internet. So happy that this is like the perfect thing to to make a webisode of. 
You know? It really is. How did these random characters, why were they in Australia? We know why all our main characters were in Australia, but what about these randoms? Literally, I want a webisode for every single person on Oceanic 815. Yes. So he met this woman on the internet and he went there to see her. Um, They talked for a whole year. He saved up all his money and he flew down to see her. But he used his friend Nick's picture and not his pictures. So Ars was out here catfishing before the word even existed. It's true. Which is amazing. I recently moved back to uh, my hometown. And until I'm able to get a job, I'm just sort of like hanging out, doing aficionado stuff, doing embroidery. And one of the things that I've done is I've watched the first five seasons of Catfish. Amazing. I love this for you. I've just sat there and watched Catfish. And so then while I was doing my notes for this, I was like, oh my gosh. Arst was catfishing. Because here's the thing. The word catfishing didn't exist until 2010. Wow. Like the concept of catfishing. So it's interesting. Like this was literally in 2007, 2008. Oh, he's a trendsetter. When they when they wrote this. And um, Arst was doing it before the word even existed. Oh, iconic. So he said, listen, I'm sorry. And I thought that it would be fine because we're in love. Right. So I get to Sydney and she's beautiful. And I take her to a nice restaurant and he says ordered lobster. But he sort of has this like sound that he makes beforehand, which sounds like it could either be we ordered lobster or she ordered lobster, which is completely different. Oh, very. So he's like, she never came back to the table and I had to pay for the lobster and everything. So I'm like, did he order it and they were both going to eat the lobster or did she order it as revenge and then left? I don't know. Because I love it. I love it. I hope that it is. Because one of the things that I've really learned from watching five seasons of Catfish. Mm-hmm. Tell us, and tell us. I have to keep going. But then I started watching. I was caught. I was, I wasn't caught up on Drag Race because I was too busy watching Catfish. And then I realized, I thought, well, where, where are my priorities? Right, right. Gotta get back. I need to catch up on Drag Race. What am I doing? So now I've been doing that and I haven't watched Catfish in a while. But one of the things that I've learned from watching five seasons of Catfish is that no matter if you guys are still in love, it almost never works out if you were lying because mm-hmm. it was such a huge lie that you told and now they can't trust you, right? So mm-hmm. no matter what, if if they're in love with your personality, no matter what, if they're not like, uh, it's not a looks thing, it's just that you lied. It's yeah. not that they think you're ugly and so now they don't like you. It's that you were dishonest. Right, exactly. That'll ruin everything. Yeah. So yeah, she never had to, came to come back to the table and he's like, I had to pay for the lobster. As if he would, he shouldn't have to because he didn't eat it. Right. It's like, I can't believe I had to pay for the lo- for the lobster. So Michael's constantly trying to leave during this and Arst is just going through something. And so Michael just has to stay there and keep listening to him vent, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, need- he needs to get it out. So he's like, the worst part is that I could have just kept having a nice vacation in Sydney. But instead, I booked an early flight out, Oceanic Flight A15. Mm. And now I'm here. Which, to be honest, feels a little bit like punishment. You know, just like Sun had said, this island is my punishment. I'm sensing a recurring theme. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, So my next note was just, I'm so happy to have this Arst backstory. It's so fun. I love him. And it just fits so perfectly with him. Like, of of course you flew to Sydney to meet a woman on the internet. And I love that Michael doesn't even let him feel bad for himself. He's just like, hey, I've listened to your whole sob story. And I just want you to know that I'm having a really hard time feeling sorry for you. First of all, because you just lied to me. So (laughs) hmm, it seems like you've got a thing with lying. But also everyone here has a story just like that. All of us are here on this beach and nobody wants to be here. Mm-hmm. so fair so true so true King. and Arst goes i know and i'm really sorry about lying about the monsoon and so michael says it's okay and he forgives him 
And he says, the raft is done. So it actually worked out because we did want the raft to be done soon. And we're going to go and we're going to go get help. And Arst says, you're completely right. You absolutely are. And I will be the first one to wave back to you. Aww. But no, he won't be because he will have blown up by then. Ah, got some Arst on you, bud. Uh, yikes. So Michael's like, I will never see Arst again. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Um, and that is going to be that piece. So uh, let's do our outro here. Stay tuned for our segment after the outro. We will be discussing these episodes within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this little mini episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. Um, and thank you to my parents and also Casey's parents for being chill while we recorded this podcast. Yeah. If you are so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. That would be great. If you're a fan of The Hundred, you'd like to talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, and then we went back. We did season three, and we're we've already started season two. So um, uh, check that out. Season two is my favorite season, so I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, if you're a fan of Riverdale, we did all six seasons so far of Riverdale. So a lot of backlog to listen to there. You don't have to watch Riverdale, and there's one season left, so catch up. And lastly, uh, we talk about Stranger Things. Um, we did seasons one to three, and we're going to be covering season four in 2023. Woohoo! I'm excited. You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook. Tumblr and Instagram, mostly Twitter, but Robin does make gifts of our favorite line wards on Tumblr. It is true. Like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash Um, If you like what we do here, please consider donating. It is expensive to make and it's free for you to listen to. So we'd really appreciate your help there or check out our small businesses or recommend us to a friend. Thanks. Any and all of the above. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-Y pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is C-A-S-E-Y-S. What? Nope. Oh, wow. I was doing Sam Casey's yeah, there you were. for a minute. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Casey Watches TV, which is C-A-S-E-Y Watches TV. <laughs> the next episode is going to be the last of our missing pieces. Um, so we will see you in a couple weeks for that. Yay. Okay. Love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Um, I'm pretty sure that I only have spoilers for one of these. So this is going to be a really small spoilers section here. Nice. Um, yeah, I don't have anything for Operation Sleeper, nothing for Arston Crass, nothing for Barry. Yeah, all I have is stuff for uh, Room 23. That makes the most sense. Which is about Jacob. Yeah. So here's the stuff that I had here. So clearly Ben doesn't want Walt there, but it makes total sense why Jacob would want Walt on the island, but I don't know why he needs him in the care of the others. You know, like, yeah. like it's nice that Walt is there on the island, but I don't know why Jacob would want him to be with the others. Right. I feel like he would... Like, there's no way... Okay, wait. Maybe I made it make, make sense earlier, but I was like, there's no way Jacob wanted Walt to be in room 23 because that doesn't track with the Jacob in my mind. Is Jacob perfect? Absolutely not. Both MIB and Jacob definitely have their problems. Neither of them are good or bad, right. I think. But I can't see Jacob wanting this kid to be like brainwashed and tortured. And like, he's even younger than Carl, right? Yeah. So I'm like, what What could Jacob possibly get from putting him in room 23? But I think I answered my question earlier in the podcast, which is that maybe he thinks that he can harness Walt's power to work on his side. Right. But I still think that that's a, a heavy price to pay. Yeah. He's... That doesn't really track, track with the Jacob in my mind. Yeah. It's... Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, all I can think of is that it maybe makes Walt's power stronger and he wanted him to be on his side. But that's right. all I that's all I know. Yeah, that's all I can really think of. And that's honestly all I had for the spoiler section. Oh, nice. Um because yeah. everything else, like I mean, all of these take place before season four starts, right? Yeah. So so sometimes there's not necessarily things to talk about, but yeah, I think that's pretty much all yeah. I had. Great. Well, that's it, you guys. Um, you guys have already heard. We, you literally just heard our outro, so we're not gonna go over it again. But remember, um, you can follow us at the Aficionados, our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/TheAficionados, and we will see you guys for uh for the next one. Woohoo! Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. They wouldn't even let me give the lobster back. <laughs>